and uh, we've been doing a what a character series that's what I've been doing when I get the opportunity to to speak at night and I've been looking at particular bible characters and one I want to look at tonight I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone ever preach on him even though he wrote a book of the bible I've heard people preach what he says in that book I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone actually look at the character of this person and so tonight it's going to be quite short I want it to be that because I don't want us to just miss the one point that I want to make and then I believe that's going to really unlock something for people uh, going into the, the future of this. Now today has been a leadership day. This morning we graduated our class of 2020 Woo! interns. Absolutely phenomenal. I think there was, there was 14, wasn't it, graduated? It was, yeah, yeah, 14 interns graduated, first and second years. And, uh, and so it's been a bit of a leadership day. So I want to speak into leadership. This is partly for the interns, but for all of us, because ultimately, often people think, well, I'm not a leader. This doesn't apply to me. I'm just going to switch off. But that would be such a mistake because the simplest and I think the most profound uh, way to define the intrinsic nature of what leadership is, is the word influence just simply influence and when it comes to that that means absolutely everyone whether it's in the schoolyard whether it's uh, in a night college scenario whether that's in the marketplace whether that's in a family home absolutely every one of us is a leader because everything we do and say has an influence the attitude that we carry has an influence on others so we're not talking about leadership I'm talking to you I'm talking to you and um and when I, you know, I guess as a leader myself and being involved in the development of leaders, I guess over the years I've seen maybe two things that tend to take people out. The two major things that, that I think are just common that take people out of contention to using their influence to the way that God has, has enabled them to or the, the call, the destiny that is potentially, the potential that is potentially on their life. The two, two simple things. The first one is the wrong motivation. Motivation to influence that just comes from the wrong place. And by that I mean the, the wrong place could simply be defined selfish motives. Uh, where it's this leadership is not like Jesus said. Jesus said leadership is actually servanthood. When, when they were arguing, his disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest, Jesus didn't say, that's terrible, you should stop talking about being the greatest. He didn't say that. He said, you're talking about it the wrong way. Yeah. To be great is actually noble. To want greatness yeah. is noble. Yeah. But how you get there is all important. And he said, so our world talks about leadership like stepping over the top of one another, clawing to get to the top, no matter who you hurt. Lording it over one another is what he said. He said, it shouldn't be amongst you, but he who would be great, let him be the servant of all. So basically he defined leadership as servanthood. And so if you go into it with wrong motives, leadership will spit you out. And all the interns could say, they learnt that this year because it's about servanthood. It's not about position or power or whatever. It's none of that. Um, The second thing I think that's most common and maybe more common is when people never rise to their potential uh, because they feel inadequate. They feel disqualified on some level and quite often that can be because they are concerned about or 
bear the guilt of failures from the past where they just can't get over the fact that they've messed up. And there are indeed some things, certainly in the eyes of man, that disqualify us. Even when God forgives, sometimes man has a longer memory. Uh, So there can be things that disqualify, but I don't think the great bulk of people that I've met that feel disqualified and therefore never hit their potential, I don't think the great bulk of them fit in that category at all. They fit in the category of simple failures that could be overcome, but they just don't make that step. Yet here's the interesting thing. The Bible is full of people who made that leap from failure to leadership, from failure to purpose, from failure to destiny. The Bible is absolutely saturated with people just like that because that's most of the human race, if not all of the human race who hasn't failed here I'm glad I didn't see any hands up Um, that would be your first failure technically I'd call it pride and so uh, I want to look at what a character remember we're looking at people where we say what a character what a character James I want to look at James and this isn't James one of the apostles of Jesus one of the original disciples This isn't James, the son of Alphaeus, or James, the brother of John, because there were two Jameses in Jesus' original crew. This wasn't either of those guys. This is James, who we understand to actually be the brother of Jesus Christ. He's actually the half-brother. Of course, uh, Joseph was not Jesus' father. Uh, Joseph was Jesus' stepfather, because Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was born of the virgin and so we understand that even though Jesus had brothers they weren't blood brothers in that full sense rather step brothers and this is James so we're going to look at James and I'm going to skip through a bit of a bible study then make one point is that okay we can trace his journey right through scripture Uh, he's one of Jesus brothers Matthew chapter 13 verse 55 and they said is this not the carpenter's son talking about Jesus they were a bit incredulous that anyone thought that he had something special on his life is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James Joseph Simon and Judas so he's the youngest stepbrother of Jesus and you could say how cool would that have been Youngest stepbrother of Jesus? Jesus, make ice cream. Of course they couldn't do that. Jesus didn't work miracles until he was released by the Father and powered by the Holy Spirit. But I'd like to think that if I was his brother and I thought he was a miracle worker, that's probably the first thing I'd ask for. It was actually the opposite. When Jesus began his ministry, it brought unwarranted or unwanted attention and potentially criticism or ridicule. Who does this guy say, what does your brother think he is? Going out and preaching and talking, teaching things different to what we've always been taught and thinking that he's something. And that was certainly Jesus' early days of ministry. Even James himself, as the brother of Jesus, so close to the action. Come on, who honestly, who would love to have been really close to the action when Jesus was walking around? Oh, come on. If you're a Christian, you've got to say yes. But, uh, but actually, that wasn't the case for James either. 
He was skeptical about Jesus. John chapter 7 verse 2 to 5. Now the Jews feast of tabernacles was at hand and his brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do not do these, uh, sorry, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. And it almost sounds like they're encouraging him, but the next verse puts it in context. It says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. So actually, as soon as as John qualifies the context there, it's basically saying they were just scoffing. Come on, you say you've got something on your life, show it to the world. Why hide it under in in a corner? Why just do a little bit of a miracle at a wedding? Why, why do that sort of stuff? Get out there amongst it and show yourself to the world. And James is counted in the brothers of the Lord. And so here's James. Wow. How, think about that. How would you get over that? Yeah. How would you get over that? I mean, questioning the authenticity of Jesus as a close brother. As someone who, you know, wouldn't it be nice if our families empowered us? But who's noticed that sometimes it can be those closest to you that actually try and sabotage your future or, or derail or de-energize, discourage at times, not always, but at times. And that was certainly the case. And so here's James. He is actually questioning the authenticity of Jesus. I mean, how would that be if that was you? Well, if you became a believer later in life like me, it was us. I loved to pay out on Christians before I became one. I loved to, God botherers, Jesus jockeys, you know, I just, I loved to pay out. I loved to pay out on Christians. I loved to somehow try and undermine the authenticity of Christ. And it's just funny in scripture how God uses people who do that. Look at Paul, greatest persecutor of the early church, was there at the execution of the first Christian martyr, giving assent, saying, yep, this is what we should do, and becomes the greatest preacher and the largest writer of the New Testament scripture. After, after he met Jesus. And it's the same for John, actually. It's believed by church history that John did not believe till after, uh, sorry, uh, James did not believe till after the resurrection. The apostle Paul actually mentions that the gospels talk about the women being the first witnesses and Jesus particularly coming to Thomas because Thomas had been unbelieving and Jesus saying, look, put your fingers in my hands and my feet. It's me, I'm raised from the dead. But, But it's interesting that Paul himself in his letter to the Corinthians mentions that Jesus appeared first to James and he singles James out so it would appear like James did not believe in his own brother until he saw the resurrection himself wow Wow. how do you get over that be a bit embarrassing wouldn't you think scoffing at him for three and a half years and then he walks through a wall or a locked door and says James it's about time you got, with the, you got with the party, mate. It's about time you realised who I am. And there obviously was a massive shift at that time. 
Because in spite of where he'd been, he becomes the leader of the early church. This is really interesting and most scholars believe this is because Peter would have had to flee Jerusalem because of mounting persecution. So most likely Peter, uh, by the 10th or 12th book, uh, uh, chapter of the book of Acts, Peter had probably fled Jerusalem and James assumes the leadership of the early church, which is under persecution. This scoffer, he makes the most important decision that the early church ever made at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. This is a really, really interesting one. The fact is, none of us Gentiles, those outside of Jewish covenant, none of us would probably be here tonight if it wasn't for the decision that James made. Because there was a big schism headed for the early church and the early Jewish believers did not want to actually spend time with the Gentile believers because they'd been brought up with strict dietary laws and the only way you could really approach God was if you didn't eat certain things and you washed certain ways and all kinds of things. And then we've got these Gentile believers who all they hear is that there's a saviour being born, that's the Christmas message, joy to the world. That's all that they heard, peace towards men. And they responded in their thousands and came into the church eating whatever they liked, eating prawns and pigs, which was a huge offence to the Jewish people. And it fell to James to make a declaration to the whole church. And he just got right to the fact of the matter and he just wrote a short list. He, He distilled the law of Moses into four things. And then that list was published and sent throughout the church. And here we are as Gentile believers. It could have all ended right then. But here is James, who had ridiculed Jesus, leading the early church to a point where 2,000 years later, we're sitting here as believers in Christ. Aren't you happy for James? Aren't you glad for James? Um, The great apostle Paul, here's another thing about his leadership. The great apostle Paul reports to him with humility. Now, Paul did not need, you know, he says in another place, when I went up and saw all the apostles of Jerusalem, they didn't add anything to me. It's a bit of a bold statement. But it was like they didn't teach me anything new about Jesus that he hadn't taught me by revelation. That's what Paul was saying. But interestingly, Paul recognises James' leadership. Acts chapter 21, And when we'd come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And on the following day, this is Luke who was travelling with Paul. This is Luke writing. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. And when, when he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done amongst the Gentiles through his ministry. And here's Paul. He's an absolute giant of the faith. He's shaking the planet with the gospel, the then known world. And yet he humbly comes before James and gives a report. And he gives James an incredible amount of respect and honour in that moment. And it's like, man, you just see who James had become. Then finally, history tells us that he was executed either in 62 AD or 69 AD in one of the big persecutions 
of the early church before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And tradition has it that he was either stoned or thrown from the top of the temple walls, one of the temple towers to his death, which actually rings true. It's not actually contradictory because the way that people were stoned in those days, it's pretty hard just to pick up rocks and kill someone. Generally, they would throw someone off a cliff first and then they would throw rocks down on them. So it's quite likely that those historical reports are the same report of the same event. He was stoned, but he was probably first thrown off the wall in Jerusalem and knocked senseless, broken legs, can't get away, and then pounded with rocks until he died. That's where James ended up, and I don't want you to take that as an advertisement for leadership, okay? (laughs) Interestingly, by the early church, he was known, his effort was James the Just. James the Just, and he was given that name because of his separation and holiness and determination to be separate, separate from the things of this world. That's actually what he, he went, you know, that's what he took to his grave as literally what they would write on his headstone. So what do we learn from James? Here it is. The, the, this is the one point sermon, okay. This is what we learn from all of his journey. He did what few people can do, but all people should do. He recovered from embarrassing failure to reclaim the future that God had for him. That's it. One point message tonight. That's it. He overcame the embarrassment and the shame to go public with his leadership. He was leading, as I said, the early church by Acts 15. He stood with giants of the faith and gave a difficult verdict. He he was prepared to and did lay down his life for what he believed. James, what a character. What a character. But how about you? Here's a couple of questions. Is there anything stopping you from taking your next step of faith? For you, what's that next step of faith for you? And is there anything stopping you? For some of you here tonight, it might well be becoming part of the intern class of 2021. It could be leading a life group and washing others' feet the way that your feet have been washed by by your leader to this point. What is your next step of influence? And, And what is stopping you taking it? What is your next step of leadership, of influence? Is there a reason you haven't taken it? What fear or failure is holding you back? And it's scary. It's scary stepping into leadership because you become very visible. And your faults become just as visible as the rest of you. You really can't hide it. It just becomes obvious. You have to wrestle with the fear of what do people really think of me? And did I do that well? Was that decision a good one? Did that bring pain or did that heal? And you continuously as a leader have to wrestle with those things. And yet I look at James and I think, how on earth would you overcome being so close to Jesus and totally missing it till he bit you on the nose and then determining to put it aside, to put the past behind you, 
and step up and influence and use what God's put on your life. And man, I'm glad he did. Aren't you? There's people around you that are waiting for you to shrug off whatever's holding you back from taking that next step of faith. That next step towards leadership, towards influence. There's people in your world that need you to take that step of faith and move that way. Last question. Can you leave the past where God does? in the past so you can claim your future can you leave your past where God leaves your past in the past so you can step into your future just one message tonight can you shrug it off and reclaim your future Not everyone can. I'm glad James did. And tonight the choice is ours.